This is a great crowd. We had an amazing crowd at the first service, and so we welcome all of you to what is uh, a first at First Church. And uh, we're going to take a little different approach to things today, but I think you'll enjoy it. And if the first service is any um, uh, indication of what will happen here in the next little while, I, I think you'll be glad that somebody uh, asked you to come to church today. Uh, a couple years ago, I felt that I gained a little bit of insight into Galatians chapter 4. And um, there are two words that are very prominent when you study the first 12 verses of Galatians chapter 4. And they are redemption and adoption. And it's blatantly obvious when you study the Bible that we are redeemed by his blood. But we are adopted by his spirit. And uh, there is so much Bible about this concept about welcoming someone into your life and welcoming somebody into your family. If you are a serious student of the word, you won't study very long until you realize out of all the words he could have chosen to describe himself. There, it's, it's hands down. He wants to be known as Father. And of course, the most famous, most quoted prayer of all times is our Father, which art in heaven. How in the world can you be a father if you've never fathered something? And so when you start at the beginning of that word and you carry it all the way through, it is blatantly obvious that you're going to need a father and you're going to need a mother. And if there's one word used to describe him most, it's father. And if there's one concept used to describe the church, it's mother. And uh, we, we, we have this amazing thing called the body of Christ. And so on Mother's Day, uh, we came up with this idea that it might be nice just to explore that concept a little deeper about how great not only your earthly mother is, but how great your spiritual mother, the church, is, has the way that the church just brings you in. And so with that being setting the stage for what we're going to do, I will turn it over to the real boss of this thing. And, uh, and so take it away, my dear. I don't have a voice, <laughs> and usually I uh, can project pretty well, but um, my grandbaby, my daughter and grandbaby were in town this week, and I had a blast with the baby. That was so wonderful. Yes, Carrie, I'm clapping inside, too. It was beautiful. It was a time of bonding. I haven't seen her since uh, November, and therefore, I didn't get much rest. <laughs> Because Brittany ran and saw our friends and I babysat. <laughs> That's what grandmas do, right? We're givers. <laughs> but I didn't mind it. It wasn't a sacrifice. It was a joy. And today we are celebrating Mother's Day, a special day to many mothers and grandmothers. But I would also like to, as Pastor said, celebrate the church. And he laid a great foundation for the thought that I had when I was asked to speak today, um, I'm not much of a public speaker, guys. Uh, unless I'm anointed, I don't like really getting up in front of a crowd. And so at first, when actually when I was asked, I broke out into a hot flash. <laughs> I said, I don't want this. And so I told Pastor, I said, tell Mike, brother, Pastor Mike, no. <laughs> I wasn't brave enough. And so then I repented and I asked the Lord, God, if you just give me a thought, then I'll speak. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, the Lord gave me a thought. <laughs> so here I am. But I have a team, which always happens. Somehow when Renee Hoffman gets in a project, guess what? It isn't just one person. It's a whole army that comes and helps me. <laughs> and I thank God for that. So today we want to talk about how the mother 
is, of course, the church. And the Father, we have our Heavenly Father, and he's put our, his name upon us. We have taken his name. And he has adopted us into his family. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly praises in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us to be in this exact place, in this location. He set our temple in our tabernacle in this location. Isn't that amazing? You are not in this church by accident. God has placed you here for a purpose. And I thank God for that <laughs> promise. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. The message says it like this. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. The Lord has put in the DNA of a woman to nurture and to mother. And uh, I don't know how many guys I've ever seen playing with baby dolls. Sometimes they do if they have sisters that want to join in, but they don't last very long. I have a great picture uh, of, my, of me and my brother fighting over a doll baby sitting on the steps when we were about two or three. It's a hilarious picture. <laughs> but I don't really remember my brother praying with dolls very much. But we prayed with the dolls, and then we graduated to Barbie dolls. And in my case, I loved animals. So I was always the rescuer. I would rescue every stray dog and cat and bird. Um, we had a big, mom wouldn't allow it in the house, but we had a big garage in the back. And I would always be mending the, the strays <laughs> of the world. <laughs> and uh, the Lord put it us in us to nurture just as he did the church of the living God. He wants us not only to birth children, but he wants us to grow them up. He wants, to, we want, he wants us to nurture them. You think about uh, what God has placed in the family. Some so, I think of Dwayne and Angie West, how they go out and evangelize and they minister to the homeless. They have such a compassion for people they lost. And they bring it in. Dwayne, a hundred soul revival or more that he brought to the church. And next time, Dwayne, it happens, we want to be more prepared. Don't we? We want to keep them. We want to nurture them. We want to love them. I think of Carrie and Sherry. Now, isn't it interesting that when I think of, of evangelism, I think of twos? God doesn't do anything alone. He sends a pair. He sends a help person, a helpmate, right? So Dwayne and Angie, it isn't just about Dwayne. It's Angie coming alongside. That compassion that she has and that love and that prayer life she has for those lost souls. And then there's Carrie and Sherry. And I always say, Carrie and Sherry, the twins that are joined at the hip. And then along comes Sister Esther, right? That's right in between. <laughs> And the Lord allows, he didn't just send two, Sister Esther, he sent you two. <laughs> it's a trio this time. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Two or three. And so God sent them out, and they minister in the jails. They minister to the lost. But they also nurture in the church. And I appreciate that. I so appreciate that. And that is what a church should look like. Um, I think of Brother Bob and Sister Brenda and the different ones that teach home Bible studies. I think of Mina and Makito who have brought in so many. What, you know, guys, when I, this morning when I was worshiping him and I had a talk with uh, Sister Joy out in the auditorium and she said, God has brought me to this church 
And when I came in and saw all the peoples, all nationalities, all colors, she said, I thought, this is what heaven is going to look like. <laughs> Pastor and I had a dream so many years ago. God planted a dream in our hearts for an international church, for a church of all peoples. And I just thank the Lord when I look around that God has given us the desires of our heart. He has put that passion in us and it's come to reality. Isn't that awesome? I thank the Lord for that. So in the Bible, we look at several barren women. There's Sarah, there's Hannah, there's Rachel. In the Old Testament, having children was a sign of blessing. Being barren was considered a curse. Sarah had basically given up, and no wonder she was 100 years old. The time of conceiving was way past. But she cried out to the Lord. These barren women cried out to the Lord, and he answered their prayers. And from those prayers, there came sons, sons that birthed nations. Uh, prophets were made. The nation of Israel was preserved. Because of a mother's cry, a burden for babies. And we as a church cry out, God, send us souls, send us lost souls, send us babies. But Lord, not only that, but when they come into the church, let us adopt them as our, our own. They are not ours, but they are ours. And we want to bring them into the fold and nurture them and bring them to raise them children up for his kingdom and his purpose. There was also an, a woman named Anna, the prophetess. She never departed from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers day and night. She had been married seven years and was a widow for 84. She represented the expectant Israel, looking for the day that the Messiah would come. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And when Anna saw Jesus, she broke into praise to the Lord and spoke of him to all that looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. The Lord fulfilled her longing. Are there any among you here today that have lost children, have lost souls that you're thinking about right now? Lord, bring them in. Bring in the sheaves, oh Lord. We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, that old song that says, oh Lord, I want to bring them in. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. When I think of Anna, I think of Karen Blankenship, always at the church serving First to arrive and the first to leave. She doesn't have children of her own, but the church is her family. The church, there's so many daughters in the Lord in this congregation that she has touched. And I thank God that he gave her a purpose in this church. When we came to Michigan, the Lord knew my longing to nurture souls and serve in his kingdom. I was a young pastor's wife with two young children. We had one car. And Harold was so excited and busy serving the church. But me, I wasn't so happy because <laughs> I was left at home and couldn't be as involved. We had an established church. All the roles were taken. All the jobs were taken. And here I was with no purpose. I'm not into titles, guys. I want to do. I don't want to just be called a pastor's wife and be uh, like a figurehead. I want to do something. I want to feel worth, worthwhile, right? We all do. We don't want to just sit and be served. We want to serve. That's what being a pastor's wife's all about in my point of view. So I began to pray, and God fulfilled my prayer, and he sent and as he sent Lori and Valerie into my life, 
they, they started coming uh, to my house for prayer. And we broke bread together. Actually, waffles. <laughs> Sticky fingers, guys. Sticky fingers. <laughs> we broke bread together. And we fellowshiped and shared our dreams and our longings and our, our heartaches. We became sisters in the Lord. And God was preparing us for what was ahead. And I want to actually have Valerie talk about what happened to her when she came into the church. What happened to her when she came to First Church and to Michigan? Um, so a couple weeks ago, I did give a little bit of our testimony for Jeff and I of what we were a bit like when we first got into church, and we were pretty pitiful. Um, I think feel like sometimes we had every problem that you could have ever had. We, we had everything. We were a complete package. But um, we moved from Wisconsin to Michigan. We were, I was 27, Jeff was 31, and we both got the Holy Ghost, and a week later we were in a U-Haul moving here because I had got a job with Chrysler. So we landed at First Church. Uh, we were unmarried, and we were fam without family, without friends. We knew nobody here. And that unmarried part, uh, we had a little talk with Pastor, and we knew that that needed to get addressed right away. So the idea was get her done. So we put some plans in place to get married. Um, but I didn't realize the kind of church that God had just dropped us into. I just thought we were going to make it happen, check the box like I'd want to do. But Brenda Lichtel stepped in, and she gave me a... She, she just... She became my mom here. She went to the point of... This sound, might sound like nothing, but I'm telling you, it's been 33 years, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. She gave us a surprise wedding shower. Um, it was during a ladies' meeting one night, and all these ladies who I didn't even know their names, and they were bringing me presents and gifts, and I was so touched and so moved by their kindness and generosity and care for me, I literally blubbered through the whole thing. I cried Every present I opened, I was blubbing. But it was just the kindness of these ladies who I didn't know. Um, Jeff and I were going to get married quick, and we were going to do it on a Wednesday night. Pastor taught his Bible study, and we walked up the aisle, and we thought it was just going to be a wedding. But it wasn't just the ceremony. It was Brenda coming along, giving us flowers for our wedding, which I never would have thought of. She, gave us a, she got us a cake. She gave us unity candles. She did. She made the whole little thing happen. She gave us a reception. Uh, everything was just lovely and beautiful, and it, it just wouldn't have been that. I wouldn't even have had pictures because Brenda thought of having someone take pictures too. So there's Bob Lichtel as our best man, and Sister O'Keefe was my matron of honor. And it was Bob and Brenda taking us into their hearts and into their homes and being mothers to us and it wasn't just Brenda who did the mom thing for us Bob also did the mom thing in Thessalonians um, Paul writes to that church and he says we behaved gently when we were among you like a devoted mother nursing and cherishing her own children so Paul describes his behavior as that one of uh, of a mother and Bob was a sweet and kind and compassionate mother to us also there was one time when when we got married, I didn't, we didn't realize Jeff had a problem with drugs. It, that revealed itself a couple months later. But when it did reveal itself, it was to, took him two years to figure out what in the world he wanted to do. And during that two years, I kind of got done. So one night, Jeff was up at the altar just praying his guts out, which he needed to. Um, and I was back at the back of the church, you know, not like totally unmoved by the whole thing. And Bob came back, and I remember his face. He was so, he was just like, you could feel his, see his pain. It's just like, Valerie, look at Jeff. He's up at the altar praying so hard. Don't you want to go pray with him? I said, no. <laughs> you go pray with him. I was done. So I'm married to him. I'm his wife, and he's on his own. I'm, I'm just fed up. But Bob... He, he, he felt the heart of a mother. There's this soul that needed compassion, and he had compassion where, where I, I didn't anymore. And so he went up to the altar, and he prayed with Jeff. Jeff lost his job because of drugs, and Bob had a roofing business at the time, and he hired him for the summer. And I think they did more fishing than roofing, but 
it was a summer, well, they did, I think. It was a summer where, where Bob and Jeff could bind together, where Bob could mentor Jeff. He could be an example to him. And it was a safe place because I knew if Jeff went back to another job and a deal, it just, who knows who he'd have access to. So he was protected. Bob was an amazing mother. And then I think of um, Nancy and Mike Gibbs. And Nancy, if, if, if I had ever had children, I, I would have wanted Nancy to be, she was a, she'd, a role model. She, she's the kind of mom I would have wanted to be. And I think of Mike, who's a man, but look at the mothering he does. He's just such a mentor to young men. He cares about young men. He teaches them practical things and spiritual things. And I, the one that I didn't mention this morning, but is totally on my heart too, Matt Olson is another mother who just wrecks me. Every time, every time I see him with his children, I'm probably going to blub too. He is such a nurturer, such a care. The way he is with his children, it's just, I, my dad won't see this today, but what I would have given to have a dad like that, that loved you so unconditionally and was so kind and nurturing, that's amazing to me. That is just amazing. So I'm thankful for all those examples that I've seen in my life, um, I'm example, for, for all the examples that you've been to me, all the things, the nurturing and the ways that you've cared for each other. Um, and for Jeff and I. So I'd like to give you a couple of parallels in the scripture that could be describing a mom, but it could be describing the church. So Colossians 3 says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in a wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, and to me, moms always like fall in second place. They're, you know, they drive all their kids around. They give them braces before they get a new dress. The dropping off, the picking up from youth group. That's just moms and grandmas. They take second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as your master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And moms are encouragers, um, and grandmas too, because we can't leave them out, because they are amazing. So, so First Thessalonians says, So speak encouraging words one to another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. And prayers and intercessors, aren't moms just prayer warriors for their kids? And I do remember a story that um, Sister Esther had actually told about a pastor when he was a young man, hadn't met Sister Hoffman yet, and he was dating a girl that wasn't, wasn't someone Esther was really thrilled with. So she said, I don't know, I mean, she was probably lovely, but I don't know, it didn't work somehow. So um, she stayed up all night long, and she said, I was just going to pray that girl right out of his life. And that's what moms do, right? And, and look at where he got Sister Hoffman. So as mothers, then we also do that for each other. You know, when we see each other going sideways, like Bob did for Jeff, we're going to pray for each other. First Timothy says, the first thing you want to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. The sacrificial and selflessness aspect of motherhood, I can find it in Philippians chapter 2. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community, community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front, don't sweep, talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So today, I'd say on Mother's Day, look around because the people that you're sitting next to and sitting with are those people that you have an opportunity to mother and to nurture and to be Christ-like. Show Christ to your brothers and sisters today. Happy Mother's Day. I keep forgetting to use a microphone because usually I don't need one. <laughs> um, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abund abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 
Amen and amen. And that's how I think of the church, a beautiful church that when one fails, there might be, if it was just all on pastor and I, we might fail you at a time when we're busy or uh, we're distracted. We might fail. But when you have 300 souls plus coming together and being aware of one another and helping one another, then your needs should be supplied from the church. It doesn't have to come from pastor and I. It comes from the body of Christ ministering to itself. And I thank God in this church for the body. And now I want to have Valerie, I mean Lori, uh, talk. She has a different story. Lori longed for children and because of complications had to make a choice, a moral choice, and she chose Annie. Lori. Is it on? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I wanted to start out with two scriptures. And I'm going to send them in so they're not up on the board. Uh, <clears throat> Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 35. And he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise you, the Lord. Both of these scriptures end up in joy. So whether your weeping lasts for seven years, like-minded, um, not constant weeping, or whatever your situation, um, however long you have to wait, God is faithful, and I believe it, it ends up in joy. And um, I have such a joyful heart today. Um, not just because my daughter is sitting here next to me that I prayed a long time for, but my mom is here. And um, that was an even longer prayer for her to be in church with me. And I'm just grateful that she's here. And I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. It's a gift. Um, I'm just going to pick up uh, where Sister Hoffman left off, um, I had mentioned earlier, this is, this is a, my favorite story to tell, and it has a lot of details. So for your sake, I will try and leave as many <laughs> out as I can because we could be here a long time. Um, but when we came to the end of that road and we decided not to continue um, medical procedures and so on, um, we turned to the Lord, we just gave it to God, and we just said, this is, this is yours now. And um, we were expecting a miracle. Um, we wanted a baby, we, um, we had prayed, and we just started believing God to, to do a miracle. Didn't know how he was going to do it, but we were trusting him. And as time progressed, we saw that adoption just kept popping up. And so we took notice, and we started, we just thought, well, maybe this is an opportunity that God wants us to, to look into. And so we started, um, we started looking for, for, for an adoption agency to, you know, we just were checking it out. And we found one whose tagline was um, uh, Romans 8, 15. Um, okay, my brain just went blank. Thank you. For you have received the spirit of uh, bond. you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so that you know that caught our attention. And Gary and I weren't real sure about adoption. We were just starting this this you know to look into it. And so when we went in, um, we didn't have feelings either way really. And this couple that had started this agency were. Um, they started it based on their experience. They had adopted their children from China, and they were just so, so sold on adoption. They were fired up. They had passion. They were joyful, and um, it just it just stirred me up. And I I became that way. It 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 just it, it excited me. Um, and there was another thing uh, as as well. The they talked about how adoption is not Plan B. It is not God's plan B. It is not second choice. It is just another plan. And that, to me, was monumental because, you know, in, in essence, when we stopped going the one way and, and, and kind of closed the door on 
the thought of a biological child and moving into this, it just showed me that this was God's plan. It wasn't, it wasn't second, it wasn't second place. And so, um, we started the adoption process there and we got a home study done. Uh, we were, you know, um, approved to be adoptive parents. Um, we started getting our dossier into China and the whole thing was going to take about a year and a half. And, as we started moving, there's all kinds of information that you have to request and, and do, and certain pieces were not coming back, and it was stalling us, and I was getting antsy. Um, I was 42. We had already waited seven years, and I, I was kind of done. I just I wanted a baby. And um, long about that time, I, at, at, it was, I had a dream or an interaction, I'm not sure which, but in the dream, I was just crying out to God and saying, God, isn't there some child that you can send me? This is such a, I can't wait. A year and a half might as well have been an eternity to me at that point. And I just had this longing. It was just a deep prayer, even in my sleep, and crying out, God, can't you send me a child? I'm, my arms ache for one. Surely there's one that needs a home. And um, anyway, I, pray, I prayed that, that prayer, and a little while later, um, I got a call, not that day, just you know, down the road a little bit, probably a couple weeks, got a call from Valerie, and she said, I have some information for you. There is a, there is a little girl in Wisconsin who needs, who is, is, her family is looking for an adoptive family for her, and is that something you would be interested in? I know you're looking at, a, at, at China for adoption, and we just thought, well, this is an opportunity that has presented itself. We need to go and see. And we talked to Pastor and Sister Hoffman, and um, they knew the pastor in the church that Annie was was at at that time. And they they spoke, and we set up um, we set up a time, and we we actually left just two days later. We traveled to Wisconsin to to meet Angela at that time, and um, and her family and the. Um, uh, the the pastor, and they let us visit with her for a little while one day, and um, to get to know her. But we we didn't really have a chance because she kept running away from us. We were she, we were at a zoo. That's all we did for two hours. We just kept kept running after Annie, and uh, little did we know that that was a snapshot of of many days to come. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, we had a visit over the weekend, and then we had a lot to think about as, as we left. And, you know, we were talking back and forth, and I, I asked Gary if he had concerns, and he said, he said, yeah, I, I do. And I said, what? And he goes, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to sleep again if we go through this. <laughs> anyway, um, but she was, she was darling. She was adorable. Um, and we, you know, there was just some really special moments um, when we were there, and yet there were a lot of questions. And... Um, still. And when we got home, I was working the next day and I was just doing some mindless, you know, filing paperwork. And my mind was just clicking and checking off like a checklist, kind of almost the pros and cons of this, because I was, um, sorry to say, I was kind of in the mindset of a baby. And Annie was about a little over a year and a half. And not now, that just seems so, it is ridiculous to, for that to have even been an, an issue at all. But it took me, it took me a while. First, it was biological child, I thought. Then adopted child. And I thought baby, maybe older baby. But now toddler. And so I had to go into that next frame of mind. And as I was thinking this, and this doesn't happen to me often, um, maybe a handful of times in my life, I was thinking, but I had this, it was like a, a speaking to my heart and, and the Lord said, this is my child. Will you love her for me? And it, it caught me so off guard that I, I had to stop t to listen. It, it was just, um, it was out of left field and um, I immediately was overwhelmed thinking how good God is to see where you are, to have called me, to want, to ask me to care for his, for his child, to love him. I, w I was humbled, honored, um, and overwhelmed. And of course, I, I said yes. And what I want to say about this is I did have a choice. God, had, he didn't say, I want you to. He said, will you? And I chose Annie. 
and um, it was <laughs> probably the best choice I've ever made. Um, and, um, you know, from then we went through, we started an adoption process, and um, we started visitation and going there every every week, and we were so overwhelmed by going back and forth, driving back and forth, and this adoption process, and it was it was moving along, and we didn't have time to do anything. We had a bedroom that was just a mess, and enter again Brenda Lichtel, um, and Nancy Gibbs, and Mike Gibbs, and Bob Lichtel. They, while we were gone on weekends, they were tearing up the bedroom and doing the floors and getting the room ready. By the time we brought Annie home, you know, they had a shower and, and her whole bedroom was suited, and everything was in place. It was it was perfect, and that's just the church. That that's just another example of of the church. Um, it, there's no place like it. <laughs> um, Anyway, um, the, the lawyers had told us, don't, don't get attached because this, this is a very high-risk adoption. It probably won't happen. And do you know that not only did it happen, but from the day that we met Annie to the finalization was two months. And um, I just praise God for that. That's nothing but a miracle. And... And just, you know, looking back over our steps, thinking about we thought we were going to adopt from China, and that was just a step to get everything in place for this little whirlwind to come into our lives quickly. And um, just want to thank the Lord. Um, He does everything perfectly. Okay, so I just wanted to say something real quick, just how grateful that I am and, you know, that God orchestrated my parents' steps and then just everybody, a part of the church. It's like I I feel like I'm a person that I can literally not, I can never say that God did not intervene in my life because everybody that led me to this place where I am, not just, it, it's not just, I, I've had spiritual blessings, but also physical blessings in my life. But none of this could have happened if all these different steps of people in my life had not listened to God and had not been a part of it. And so that's just the church. So I just want to say I'm grateful for that. I'm glad I'm adopted. And it's just such a rewarding experience to be a part of something like this. I could listen to that story over and over and over again. And in fact, if Lori doesn't tell it, I tell it. (laughs) Because we experienced it together. She was my sister in the Lord. We prayed together. We lived it together. And what a beautiful thing, Lord, that we can rejoice with you and love Annie. (laughs) I'm so thankful. It says... Truly I say to you in Mark 10, 29, there is no one that has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake, for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, but also in the age to come eternal life. And when I think that Lori chose not to have her own child for moral reasons, It was a moral decision, and she left that dream behind and chose Annie. What a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. She she gave up a life, but she saved a life, saved by saving. (laughs) And what a wonderful thing to experience. And I think whoever receives such child, whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. When Brittany married and left home, there was a big hole left in our hearts. But the Lord has comforted our hearts and blessed our lives with two little miracles, our granddaughters, one of which was with me this week. Parker and Cameron, the joy of our family. There's such a bond there, even though we are separated by distance. And when Brittany left, Ashley was heartbroken. She went up into her bedroom and cried and cried and cried and cried. 
and I wanted us to see to take Brittany's place for Ashley. And so the other years, the Lord has grafted in other daughters. I think of my Cassandra, and I say my Cassandra because that's what Ashley always called Cassandra, my Cassandra. I think of Rachel, who has been in my home and has adopted Ashley from time to time. Uh, there was Kelsey. There was um, Kenzie. There were so many daughters that came through our home. But the one that st- uh, stayed the longest was my Bianca, our Bianca. <laughs> and I want to have her tell a little bit about her story. Regina was kind enough to let us borrow Bianca and adopt her into our family. She's always going to be yours, Regina. (laughs) We're just borrowing her for a time. (laughs) But I thank you that you allowed me to insert myself into Bianca's life. I thank you for that privilege. Bianca, can you tell your story? Yes. Hi, my name is Bianca Mori. For those that don't know me, I've attended this church since 1998. I remember the first time my mom brought her seven children right through those doors right out there. We instantly felt like family. The church quickly adopted my mom and her children in. There was a love and a connection. I believe God orders our steps, and I believe God ordered us to this church for such a time as this. God had a plan for my mom and for my family and He by bringing us here. At this time, we were doing cell groups, which are called life groups now shortly after we joined the church. And my family was blessed to be in Lori and Gary Williams' um, cell group. Um, As you heard her testimony earlier, she said she didn't have any children at the time, but my mom had eight. (laughs) Um, And she loved us like her own. We were strangers to her, but she didn't care because she began to nurture and grow us. She showed the love of Christ and the love from the church. They invested in my family week after week, pouring things inside of my mom, becoming really good friends with my mom. She also had a good spread of food and fun for us every time we came. We never wanted to leave. I still remember every Christmas, the Williams family, even after cell group, they would come and buy all of my siblings Christmas gifts. And these were not cheap gifts. These were really nice gifts. (laughs) Um, And so I believe that at that time, my mom... Um, felt that safe bring her children here. Um, And this is one thing that hooked us to this church. It showed my mom that she can trust the church with her family. So if you're not plugged into a life group today, I urge you to join one. My family is a testimony from it. It's one thing that drew us into this church, and it is biblical to go house to house, breaking bread with one another, and that saved my family. As we started our journey with First Church a couple of years later, my family was faced with one of the hardest things to go through. My mother and father were getting a divorce because my dad became um, abusive to my mom and an alcoholic. I believe God orders our steps, and I believe God put us in this church at the right time. At that time, my mom had to uproot her eight children and leave, leaving us homeless. But she knew that she had to do it, um, something for her children and for herself. I just remember the church loving us and taking us in, being there for my mom spiritually, but also taking, it, taking in her children. And right here, I would like to honor my mom and say happy Mother's Day to my mom. Mom, you've taught me so much through my life. You've always been a strong leader in my life. You've taught me how to love people and pray for them that hurt you, to turn the other cheek, how to kill people with kindness and show love, the love of Christ always, no matter what they do. My mother has never once talked bad about my dad. I believe I would speak for my siblings and myself and say that my mom is a virtuous woman and we stand and call her blessed today. But I also know that my mom knew that she couldn't raise us by herself. So she found a church that could help nurture and grow her children in the Lord alongside of her. That, exactly, that is exactly what the church did 
I remember our youth leader at the time coming every Friday night, coming to pick us up for youth service. And then sometimes we would stay the night, sometimes we would stay the weekend. I also remember Brother Steve, and I want to honor Brother Steve and Sister Laura today. Brother Steve, you played a big part. Every Mother's Day, I remember you would come and give us money and say, hey, take your mom out for for dinner on Mother's Day. Pastor Mike, I want to say thank you for always being my big brother and instilling things inside of me and being there for me through my hard times and also my good times. Pastor John and T, I love you guys. You guys have always been there for my brothers, going to every single game. You never missed one. Pastor John, always giving me wisdom. T, always being my rock in my safe place. So I want to say thank you. Ooh, um, there are so many more that have invested in my family. This is just a testament of this church. My family to this day would not be here if it was not for First Church and all the members that poured into us. Fast forward to a couple of years, Sister Offman asked me to move in with her and Pastor to help out with my sissy Ashley. The house that, um, sorry, uh, she said that she needed. She said that she had a need, but we also had a need as well. The house that my mom was moving into didn't fit us all, and that was an answered prayer for my mother. I remember going into Pastor and Sister Hoffman's house, and there was such a peace there. This is, this is where when you have a mother and a father that serve God both, and it's a praying home, it made peace there for me, and that was your home. I would wake up to Sister Hoffman's deep prayers, and if anybody has heard her pray, when she prays, she gets this deepness. Precious Jesus. But I remember leaving and going and then imparting so many things inside of me that I didn't know that I needed. I lived with the Hoffmans for over 10 years of my life. Who they are here is who they are in their home, if not more. They are true Christians. They're not perfect, but but they model the life of Christ on a daily basis. Pastor, you took me in as your daughter. I didn't have a father spiritually. I mean, I know you're my spiritual father, but I'm being my pastor, but I didn't have a spiritual father. So thank you for taking me in and loving me and being my father. God said he'll be the father to the fatherless, and he placed strong men in my life for me to look up to. God ordered my steps to be in their home because he knew what I was destined to be. I learned the heartbeat of the Hoffmans. They are true servants. They love people strongly. They're givers. They're transparent. Sister Hoffman has instilled so many things inside of me as well. I remember on my way to work, when my foot would hit the floor, and Sister Hoffman was already up for two hours (laughs) reading and praying. So as soon as my foot hit the floor, she would be right there ready to spit all her wisdom to me. And I just remember her giving me the tools and the wisdom and guidance for that day. She became a safe place for me along with my mother. They took me in and nurtured me and taught me the things of ministry. And to this day, I don't have any kids yet, but I have 60 that I get to pour into every week. And they are my children, and I love them dearly. And I'm forever grateful for them. If you're a guest here today, know that God ordered your steps today and brought you here for such a time as this. He doesn't make mistakes. Listen to my testimony. If you feel alone and you feel like you don't have a family here, this church is a family that wants to adopt you into the family of God. Your family and your life will forever be changed. I want to say thank you to First Church. Thank you to Pastor and Sister Hoffman. Thank you to my mom. And most of all, thank God for all the things that he's done to make me who I am today. Amen. I want to read something that Regina, it really does. Oh, I'm so bad. It does speak to me for you. And uh, it's Second John 1. And I don't know what version this is because I, I read all the versions and then I forget to put it in my notes. <laughs> and then I go, oopsie. 
<laughs> but this is what the one version said that really spoke to me. And, and I feel like it's, it talks about you. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who knew, know the truth. And Second John 4 says, He has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And that's what I see when I look out and see all of your children, most of your children here in this congregation. It fills us, Pastor and I, with joy that we had a small part in raising your family and helping you. And we love you. And last but not least is our Amy. And the reason why I say our Amy is because she came in and she just literally became our adopted child, although she's a grown woman. (laughs) We all feel like we own Amy. We have this connection with Amy. She just got such a beautiful smile. And she has been a blessing recently to my uh, family. She's come and stayed with uh, Esther, spent the night, and drove driven Esther to church so that I could be at both services, um, so that I can get to know all the congregation. I don't like missing out on people. <laughs> I like to know everybody. And if I just come to the first service, I miss all of you that are in the second service. I don't like that. And so, but I want my mother-in-law to be able to come to church. And so thanks to Amy, she has made that possible for me. And I want to thank you, Amy, and love you. And I want you to share your experience. Hello. Wait. It's a work? Yes. Okay. Um, Hi. Um, So today on this Mother's Day, I I first want to um, honor my wonderful and amazing mother who was She's loved me every day of my life. But today, I want to speak of the family that I have found here, my church family. I moved to Michigan 11 years ago by myself. I didn't know anyone here. I had no family here. First church became my family and welcomed me wholeheartedly. You welcomed me into your homes, invited me to Thanksgiving meals. You've cared for me and embraced me. And on this Mother's Day, I would like to highlight a few of the church mothers that I have found. Carrie Vanderwater and Sherry Gorm, who taught me how to pray. They showed me the power of prayer and helped me to leave my comfort zone and pray over others. Esther Spicer, who showed me the power of testimony. And if you guys have ever heard her testimony, you just you feel the power of God when she speaks her stories. And she showed me that not only is it a privilege, but it is our duty and responsibility to share with others the good that God has done for us. First Church is a family church, and it has proven over and over and over and over again that family is much more than simple biology. Yes. (laughs) Pastor and I have given our life to this church but the Lord has given back a hundredfold. In blessings, we have been blessed with many sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, beautiful friendships, and elders to guide us in our walk. I, for one, am so thankful for example that my mother left me and for the continued support and guidance of my mother-in-law, Esther Gertrude Hoffman. We need the mothers of the church, but we also need the father. That dad provides leadership, stability, and direction to the church. Family that also is a whole, not just a part. 
We need the whole family unit. And that's so that our joy may be full. Pastor and I decided to share this Mother's Day's message. I've shared my mother's heart with what little time is left. I guess you could share yours. <laughs> I don't know how much time. I think we kind of took advantage. <laughs> oh, these are deep chairs. You never want to get out of them. It's important for you to remember that in Romans chapter 8, it said he's not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but he has given us the spirit of adoption. That if you look at that, I mean, it, and, and look at it closely, it, it's not just talking about that the Lord has taken us in, but gave us a spirit of adoption that we need to take others in. It's not just about us. It's that, that whole concept of Acts 1 and 8, you're going to be my witnesses. And in the Old Testament, it was a curse to be a barren mother. And it's a great spiritual example. There's nothing worse than a church that's barren and doesn't have babies and isn't actively involved in adopting somebody else. That's, that's, that's a sham. That's an absolute sham. And... I, I found this thing a, a while ago uh, um, of a, a, a doctor in um, Boston, Tufts Medical Center. Her name was Diana Bianchi. And she had a, a patient and she was doing blood work on this woman. And she found fetal cells in the woman's blood. And it, it, she did more investigation. And to her astonishment, she found out that these cells that were in the bloodstream of this woman weren't her cells, but they were fetal cells that were still in her bloodstream from her son, who was now 27 years old. And the mother had a, a very miraculous recovery, and when she did her homework and her research, she was convinced Somehow these cells were tied to that mother's healing and repair. So she was given a grant to investigate it. And after several years of research, she proved that these fetal cells remain in the bloodstream of a mother, even after the child is gone. And, and it's, it's a great analogy to the church. It, the, nothing will heal a church quicker than having babies. Nothing. I, I, I don't care what kind of church problem there is. Nothing will get a church's mind off of themselves and onto others quicker than when you start having babies. And when you start producing spiritual children, not only will it impact you then, but in years to come, there is a residual thing that remains in the body of Christ that has healing and regenerative power because of the children that we've given birth to. And, and, and it's just, you know, I, we're, we're, we're in the world. Uh, I'm a hillbilly kid, okay? But where, where in the world would country music be if it wasn't for one of the most famous duets Husband and wife, Tim, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Tim, Tim McGraw uh, was never claimed by his dad. His dad was a famous baseball pitcher named Tug McGraw. And his dad only wanted something to do with him when he became famous. And when he finally met his dad, he wrote a song called Live Like You're Dying. Because his dad was dying of cancer and it was too late for him to build any kind of relationship. Faith Hill was, was, was adopted when she was four years old. But, uh, boy, they're, they're great singers, you know. One of my favorite singers even today is Jamie Foxx. And he's known as a comedian. But Jamie Foxx went to college on a scholarship to be a worship pastor in his church. And, and he's a great singer. And, but a, adopted boy. I, 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 uh, where, where in the world would the computer world be if it wasn't for Steve Jobs? Him and a guy named Wozniak found an Apple computer. But... Steve Jobs was adopted 
Franklin Roosevelt, who would have never been president today because he was confined to a wheelchair, but Franklin Roosevelt would have never made it to the White House if it wasn't for Eleanor. And Eleanor Roosevelt was an adopted girl. Now, South Africa, would South Africa would still be in the clutches of a horrible racist policy called apartheid if it wasn't for a guy named Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela's dad was the king of what was known as the Thembu people, but he died when Nelson was eight years old and he was adopted by a regent who was kind of like the vice president and he was groomed as a child to be a king, but ended up in prison for almost 30 years for his outspoken opposition to this horrible racist thing. But when he got out of prison, he didn't let that bitterness get in his spirit and was elected president of South Africa. And today, South Africa is a free nation because of an adopted boy that somebody took into their house. Where would baseball be without Babe Ruth? Where in the world would, you ever seen the Declaration of Independence? The largest signature on there is by a guy named John Hancock. <laughs> adopted boy. Bill Clinton became president of the United States. Bill Clinton was an adopted boy. Where would these people have been if someone wouldn't have taken them in? And where in, the, where in the world would you and I be if the church wouldn't have had a place for us? Stand. Stand. Let's thank the Lord together. Jesus, I honor you in this place today. I thank you, God, for all that you've done. I've heard these people talk today and I just, you know, it's one of the wonderful blessings of generational pastoring that, that, that we've been here since 1988. Karen Blankenship has turned off thousands of lights and, and locked and unlocked tens of thousands of doors. You know, Valerie and Jeff, our first new converts when we came to this church years ago, I remember talking to Lori who had such, went through such horrible things when she was younger. And, and I remember she, being with her in prayer at the old church and said, she said, I, I, I just want a family. I, I, and I, she said, it looks so impossible. And I said, Lori, do you, has the Lord given you faith? Do you, have, do you see yourself as a mother? Do you believe you're going to be a mother? And she said, yes. I said, well, then you're going to be a mother. And there she is, right there, with this amazing gal, Bianca, that I call Beyonce, who's been in our house for so long, her amazing mom. I remember her mom, Sunday after Sunday, going to Walmart to sell M&Ms so she could afford to pay for Benji and Chris's football. And I remember John and every, I didn't go to that many, but every one I was there, there was John and Talisha and their kids. Never missed a basketball game, never missed a football game. On and on and on. It's, it just, I, I, I've got these stories and, and I just, Renee and I did the math. I always thought it was 17, but the, we, we've had 20 people live in our house. And, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, the house that we just finished was, was to be able to take care of my mom and dad. But I promise you, when my mom and dad are gone, that basement's not going to stay empty for long. Because yeah. it's just what we do. It was just what we do. God, I, I, I'm so grateful for you in this church and the spirit that lives in this thing. Because as Renee told you, this is what we saw all those years ago. This is what we believed God for. And it's just, you know, you, you look at Dorcas in the book of Acts. <laughs> All these apostles that died, God didn't resurrect James, John. He didn't resurrect Peter. And I used to think, what gives here? You know, Dorcas dies and, and, and she gets resurrected. None of, none of them famous preachers got resurrected in the Bible. And, it, and I realized, well... You, you, it's not really hard to replace a preacher, but someone like Dorcas, you, you, they're irreplaceable. So God had to resurrect her and give her back to him because she was so amazing, so amazing. Just, and it's just uh, to all of you magnificent women, to you, to you moms, uh, thank you for all that you've done. Abraham Lincoln one time said, everything that I am, I owe to my magnificent mother. 
Jesus, I thank you for this day. Thank you for Esther who brought me into this world. And I'm so grateful for everything that my mom did for me. But as great as my mom was, she could never get me out of this world. I needed another mother. I'm grateful for the church. I'm grateful for the body of Christ. I'm grateful, Lord, for the spirit that lives in this place. I ask you, Lord, right now to let this be a special day. I ask you, God, that this would be a day of love and a day of gratitude and a day of thanksgiving. For you have been so gracious and kind and you have provided so many things. You've filled so many voids in our life, either by a natural mother or by a spiritual mother. And I pray, Lord, for us, however long we've got left, let that spirit of adoption live in this church family. That we don't ask you to be perfect. We don't expect you to be flaw-free. But what we are asking is just come on. Come on, and we're going to do our best to love you. We're going to do our best to put oil in your wounds, bind you up, put you on our mule, and get you to a safe place. Jesus, I ask you today, right now, amen. I ask you to hear my prayer and answer this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done. Amen. 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 I read a story years ago about a guy named Harry Starner. Harry Starner so desperately wanted to be in the military. Everybody else in his family had been in the military. His dad had been in the military. His grandpa had been in the military. He desperately wanted to be in the military, but he, uh, he couldn't pass the physical. And, uh, and he went three different times to the Selective Service Bureau and tried to, tried to become a... But on the fourth... On the, so he said, well, if I can't serve in the military, I'll tell you what I can do. I can give blood because I know these soldiers are going to need blood. They're going to get wounded and bad on. I'm going to give blood. And so for four years, Harry Starner, as often as he could, gave blood so that it could be given to the soldiers. Miraculously, on his fourth attempt, they accepted him into the army. <laughs> and he ended up at, uh, at Guadalcanal and got wounded on that island. They shipped him out to a Red Cross boat to be mended and repaired. He had been shot multiple times and he was in real trouble. Needed a transfusion. Had to get some blood in him. At that time, when they gave blood, they always put the donor's name on the back of that unit of blood that was given. Harry Starner was in the bottom of a Red Cross ship outside of Guadalcanal and having a blood transfusion put in him and he just happened to turn the bag around and guess whose name was on the other side of the bag <laughs> Harry Starner gave blood just I'm telling you folks when you give in an effort to save someone else you're just going to end up saving yourself it's just the way this thing works don't save your life be willing to lose your life for the kingdom you'll find salvation in giving to someone else. It's been an honor to be with you in church today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. To all of our sweet friends that visit and follow us online, thank you for being here. We love every one of you. Have a great day. God bless every one of you.